So we're in the series. We've been talking about 30 days to live. Um, for some reason, I'm already losing my voice. So if my voice cracks, don't you dare laugh at me. I am a full-grown adult. So, um, so our, we're, what we're doing, though, is we're asking ourselves how our lives would be different if we recognize just how brief life really is. So, um, so lo- let's start this way. Um, and with the same prayer that David prayed from the Old Testament that we've been, we've kind of been talking about this every week to kind of drive this whole message. It's in Psalm 39, verse four and five. David prayed this prayer and he prayed, he said this, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. If you would, if everyone would help me out here, would you say with me the first sentence of this verse? Could we read it together? Let's do this. Ready? Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. And that just kind of let that sink in for a moment, because not only was that David's prayer, but that's a reminder to all of us of how brief our time on on earth is. It is. Um, If you've been with us through this series, we looked at the very first week, we looked in the New Testament in the book of James, when James, he asked the question, what is your life? And he answered it, and he said, your life is but a mist. It's like, if you guys know what a, like a, a mist is or like fog, kind of like the fog in this room, it's, it's going on right now, but here in a little while, it's going to dissipate. It's going to disappear. And he's saying our life is like that. It appears for a little while, and then it vanishes because our life is brief. Our life is short. And I'd like to talk to you tonight. What I want to share with you is the importance of leaving a godly legacy. Um, so, so basically, like, what would generations to come, what would they say about you based on the way you're living your life today? What would they say about you, generations to come, about you based on the way you live your life today? So, so for example, take your parents, for example. The, the people that parent you. Take your parents, for example. Like, chances are your parents are made of, like, in, in, in one way or another, they've made some sort of impact on your life. And for, for many of you, it may have been incredibly positive. And for others of you, it may have been a whole different experience. Uh, let's, just, let's just say I, we, we look at this. Um, if I ask you, let's just say if I ask you about your dad. And, and, and a lot of us have had different experiences with our parents and with our dads. And, and maybe, um, maybe there's just something that your dad has imparted to you that's valuable. Some of you, if, if I asked you about your dad, maybe you would light up immediately and you would start telling stories after stories and laughing and saying, man, he was incredible. And you'd go on and on about how awesome your dad is. Others of you, you, you might be polite and you might say, well, I'll, my dad, he, he's, he's good. He's, he's a good guy. And, but you may not have much to say. And some of you, if you told me about your dad, you might cringe a little bit. And, and some of you, may, maybe, maybe your dad is not in the picture. Maybe your dad left, and maybe your dad is this, or maybe your dad is that. But may, maybe your dad is a lot of great things. Maybe there's a lot of great things you can say about your dad, but maybe your story is totally different. 
But what I want to talk to us about tonight is legacy. And I'm not just singling out anyone's dad here. I'm just using that for example. The other day, I, I um, actually yesterday, last night, I was hanging out with Jet, my youngest son. He's seven. I was hanging out with him, and I said, Jet, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, uh, I want to do what you do. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. You want to be a pastor? And he said, no, I want to be a good dad. And I am, oh, right? Me too. And I was like, and then he slapped me on the side of the face. So, um, yeah. And he's, he's, but he's seven years old. And at, at seven, I'm like, we're right on track. We're doing all right with this kid. Like, he's a pretty good kid. My other two, I don't know. But my seven years old, I'm just kidding. He, they're good. But, but here's the deal. As a seven-year-old, you can teach them and you can mold them in a lot of different ways. But in the future, when he's 26 or when he's 36 and he says, I want to be like my dad, then you know you're making a significant difference, uh, a significant progress. You're leaving a legacy in the life of your children, in your kid's life. So, And I know none of you guys are anywhere close to having kids, and that's okay. But just using that for example. So let's, let's talk about what it is. Um, how we can leave a godly legacy. So tonight, if you're taking notes, if you're writing some things down, the first thing that you'll need to do to leave a godly legacy is we're gonna do this. We're gonna say the words that God wants us to say. In order to leave a godly legacy, we're gonna say the words God wants us to say. We'll, wanna, we'll want to say um, to those that we love. We'll want to say to our generation, We'll want to say to the people around us, we'll want to say the things that are most important to us because many people don't do that. A lot of people don't say the words that God wants us to say. A lot of, a lot of people don't speak the words to our generation, to our families, to our friends that God would want us to say. Uh, um, I've been a pastor for a while. I've visited people in the hospital and sometimes people on, on that, who were about to pass away and and before they were about to leave this earth, and they would often, sometimes they'll say something like, Jeremy, here's what I want you to tell my family. Here's what I want you to say to my family after I pass away. And, and I've always kind of thought to myself, why didn't you just tell them yourself? Why haven't you said those words to your family? Why are you waiting for someone else? It would make such, so much more of an impact if you said those words. And, 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 and I pray with everything within me, that if, if you ever find yourself in that place, that you don't have to tell anyone else a message to your family, that, that you want someone else to communicate something to your family, that you have already said what God wants you to say. Um, a great example is this. It's found in when Solomon, King Solomon, he was the wisest man to ever live. He was imparting wisdom to his son. He was saying this to his son. He was giving some great advice but I want you to catch this as we read this. Notice the setup right before he gives the great advice. He actually gives more leading up to the great advice than he does the great advice. Catch this. It's in Proverbs 4, verse 20. It says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Then he says this, above all else, guard your heart, 
for it's the wellspring of life. So notice the setup. He says, hear me, catch my words, hear my voice, understand what I have to say. This is so important. This is what I want you to catch. And then he says, above everything else, guard your heart. Pay attention to what I'm going to say. What I'm going to tell you could change your life. That's what you need to know. And then he says, above all else, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of your life. What, what I want to do as a dad and what I want to do as a husband is to not let any good word go unspoken. Even as a, as a pastor, as a friend, as a parent, as a leader, and I struggle with this at times too. I want to catch people doing right. I want to catch people doing good. And I want to call them out for it. I want to celebrate them for that. And I want it to not let any good thought go unspoken. I want to speak positive words that come out of my mouth. The things that I'm thinking in my head, I want them to come out of my mouth to the people that I love and that I care about. And I know it's, it's very challenging to communicate your thoughts. And it's very challenging to communicate your feelings. But ask yourself this, if you had 30 days to live and you're going to speak to the people who are most important to you, how, how would you finish this sentence? Above all else, here's what I want you to know. If you had 30 days to live and that, you, this was your sentence, above all else, this is what I want you to know, what would you say to those people that you love the most? What would you say to those people that you care about the most? Think about that. What would you say to your family, to your friends, to, to maybe even think about this, to your, I know you're, you may not even have this in your thought process yet, but to, to your future children, what do I want you to know before I pass away? To the people that you love above, above all else, here's what I want you to know. To leave a godly legacy, you're going to say the words that God wants us to say. The second thing is this. You're going to do what God wants us to do. Paul said this in Acts 20, verses 24. He said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying the gospel of God's grace. In other words, he's saying this. He said, if if I can just preach about Jesus, if I can just tell everyone about Jesus, that's all that matters. That's the most important thing. Nothing else matters. That's the only thing left undone. And this is the task that I must finish until God, because that's why God put me here on earth. And here's a question for you tonight. Here's what I want you to ask. What is your unfinished task? What's your unfinished task? And I know you may be thinking, well, hey, I'm young. Like, I don't even know who I am yet. I'm trying to figure out life. I'm just trying to go to school right now. I don't even know what my future holds. And, and that's okay. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. But I know there's a lot of you in this room who God has revealed his calling, who God has revealed his vision, who God has gifted you and got plans for you. And you know what that is. What is your unfinished task? What are you working towards? God given all of us, every single one of us, a purpose and a calling and a vision and a plan on this earth. You, maybe you haven't discovered it yet. Either way, God has given you gifts and talents and you can love people and you can care for people. Maybe what you need to do is you may, need to, you may not know what those things are, but maybe what you can do is just begin to have spiritual conversations with people. 
Tell them about your faith. Tell them about who you are. Tell them about why you follow Jesus. Tell them about why this is so important. Tell them about why you're here. What are you doing to serve others? And believe me, it's going to take work. It's going to take effort. But it will pay off when you have a willing heart. When you have a willing heart. And the third thing is this. The last thing is this. We're going to live the way that God wants us to live. Because honestly, most people aren't, are they? Most people aren't living the way that God wants us to live. It's so sad to me today to see so many people who call themselves believers, <clears throat> who hear God's word, who, hears, who hear what God's word says, and then we still just do whatever we want. Let me tell you this, that whenever you live the way that you want, it's not the way that God wants and, and, and living that way just for here's what I want, this is what I want to do, this is all about me, and that's a real selfish way of living. And if you live that way, it's going to turn out to be a really sad funeral one day. And once again, I'm not trying to scare you, but every single one of you in this room, unless Jesus returns and you go up with him, there will be one day a funeral in your honor. And And... You won't be there, of course, um, because you've already passed, but people that you will love, the people that you love, all the people that you love will gather around and some pastor will likely show up and, and speak to your family before the funeral, talk to your family. I've done this before. It's not an easy thing, thing to do. And they're going to say, well, tell me about this person. Tell me about your loved one who died. Tell me, tell me about them. And, and this is what I've done to, when I've done funerals before, I, I've met with the family and I've said, well, tell me about them. Tell me some stories. Tell me some things about them. And, and in those times, I've had some really good conversations with people. I've had some really good talks with people. And I've preached a few funerals and, and those conversations are either really good or they're really bad or they're, they're really sad. And, and one of those meetings, there's, there's, there's two ways the meeting can go. One of those meetings can, can be horribly wonderful. Like the, the, the meetings where it's horribly wonderful, the people, they're, they're, they're talking about their loss and they have tears and they're crying because they miss their family member and, and all that's it's fine and it's good and there's tears. And, and, but then also there's tears of joy. And I'll, and I'll say, well, tell me about so-and-so. And someone starts off and like, oh, I, re I remember when, like, and then they start telling this story about their, their family member who passed away. And then everyone hugs and everyone cries and everyone may laugh a little bit. And then someone will tell a funny story and then, like, everyone's laughing a little bit more. And then someone tells a, a touching story about this person and everyone hugs and laughs and cries a little bit more. And, and. And it's so weird to say this, but in that moment, God's presence is right there in that moment. In that moment. And there's, there's human loss, but at the same time, there's peace. I've experienced it. I, I've done, preached a funeral for my grandmother and for my grandfather. And, and, and I can't tell you how horribly wonderful that was. And I don't ever wish, you know, my, I would never want my grandparents to pass away. But in doing their funerals, I learned and I knew and I realized what great godly people they were. And I knew that when they left this earth, they were living a whole lot better life in heaven with Jesus. It was horribly wonderful. It's horribly wonderful. And then there's another category. 
when you meet with families, and, and it's just all horrible. Like, I mean, honestly, like, it, it's depressing. It's heartbreaking, and, and here's usually how it goes. Well, hey, tell me about so-and-so. Tell me about this person. And, I mean, honestly, it's, it's heartbreaking, and here's how it goes. Like, there's an awkward silence, and so I try to help him out a little bit and, and like, okay, well, well, give me a story. Give me something that you remember about them, something that stands out about their life, what was really important to them. And finally, someone will, will speak up and be like, oh, uh, they really like spicy food. And like, there's almost this kind of awkward sigh of relief because someone said something. And then, then everyone else is like, oh, yeah, spicy food. And, and I, I remember that spicy food. And, we're like, and I'm like, well, tell me about them. An awkward silence. And then someone says, well, man, they, they sure love sports. Big sports fan. And it's kind of it's sad. It's kind of horrible. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with liking spicy food or being a sports fan. But when it comes to your leaving a legacy and your family and your friends are talking about the life that you lived, are they going to say, man, they were great at basketball. Man, they liked spicy food. Or are they going to be able to say, man, I really looked up to them because of their faith in Jesus. Man, I, I, they were great people. I, I honor them. And like, what are they going to say about you in that moment? And I sit here going like, and, and as a pastor, I'm sitting here in these moments and I'm thinking, how am I going to make this funeral mean something talking about spicy food? James 1.22, it says this, don't merely listen to the word and so de- deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And I think a, a lot of us in this room who are Christians, who are believers, this is what we do a lot of times. We, we sit in rooms like this, in places like this, and we hear the word. Maybe you even have your own Bible plan that you read. Or maybe that you, you meet with a small group of people and you hear the word of God. But you don't do that second part. We don't do what it says. In that verse, James, he says, don't merely just, don't just listen to the word. And, and when you, all you do is listen to it, you're deceiving yourselves. You're lying to yourselves. He says, but do what it says. He says, put it into action. And I want to encourage you not to just listen to the Bible, but do what it says. Let it overtake you. Let it speak to you. Let it correct you. Let it challenge you. Let God's word change you. Let God's word comfort you. Let God's word convict you, change you. And when it does, when God's word changes you, your life will lead a legacy that will outlast you for generations to come. What happens when you start to live God's word? What happens when you start to live this out? You start to become different and everyone around you notices and non-believers will look at you and they'll say, there's something special about that person. What happens when, when, when it is it that changes everything and you start to look at people in a different way and you start to view people in a different way and, and then the way that Christ loves them and you start and you, you find, you begin to find that you, maybe you're a little bit more patient than you used to be or you, you're a little bit more kind than you used to be or you don't envy other people having great things then you don't, you don't envy how you used to be. You don't boast about how great you are. You're not proud. You're not rude. You're not self-seeking. You're not easily angered. You don't delight in evil things, but you rejoice in the truth, and you, you have this love that always hopes. 
that always trusts, that always protects, that never fails. When you begin to put God's word into your life and not just put it in, but remember to begin to act on it, begin to live on it as well, your life will change and it won't be the same. John 2.17 says this, the world and all these desires, all these stupid things that we pursue, all these things that we're after, the world and all, uh, it says the world and its desires, they do what? Anybody? They pass away. They don't last forever. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. Could you imagine today? Could you, could you imagine with me that one of these days, you're going to have great, great grandchildren. One of these days. Don't get started anytime soon. And, and they're going to be able to look back and they're going to say, my family is great today because great, great, great grandma or great, great, great grandpa laid the foundation for my family to be awesome today, to live for Jesus today because of what they stood for because of how they follow Jesus. See, I would give anything for, I would give anything for years and years and years later after I pass away for my great, great grandkids to say in our family that, that my family is, is this way because of great, great grandpa Jeremy. Because of what Jeremy and great, great grandpa Jeremy and Kristen stood for, about how they lived their lives. You have to live the way God wants you to live. And here's the difference. You live by the convictions of God instead of your preferences. You live by the convictions of God instead of your preferences. What's a conviction? It's, it's um, a belief that on the inside that always shows up on the outside. And what's a preference? A preference is simply a, a strong desire that you will compromise when the cost becomes too high. Maybe you're in this room and you're, you say, well, I prefer to be a, a virgin until I get married, until the pressure's too much and that moment's just right and then I give away my preference. Or I prefer to be generous until I see that new thing that I really, really, really want. Then you go out and you're like, oh, I'm looking out for number one. I'm looking out for me. There's a lot of people who say, I prefer to go to church I know it's good for me. We prefer it, but it's something that we give up when times get tough. See, I want people to one day say about you at your funeral. I don't want them to say about you at your funeral that you loved spicy food, that you loved sports, your preferences. I want someone to say about you for generations to come that we're different and that we're closer to God because of the way this person lived their life. There's so many people who, who we can't even count the influences that they made throughout their life because they followed Christ. They lived for Jesus. They lived by their convictions. So you say what God wants you to say. You do what God wants you to do, and you live the way God wants you to live. Let's pray.